trivia, discussions, opinions, and the chance to have your say. Welcome to the Topical Resort. This is very weird on my end because my headphones aren't plugged in properly, so I'm only getting left channel. There we go, okay. So, looks like it's come down to the Topical Resort once again to bring the birthday cake. Because it seems everyone here on RS has missed out on the birthday of a certain favourite console of ours here at the Topical Resort. The console will be turning 16 soon in Japan, and I think it's only fitting that during the week of Dreamcast celebrations, I talk about my other favourite console. So today on the Topical Resort, we'll be discussing the Nintendo GameCube.
and welcome officially to the Topical Resort. I, as always, am your host, Viper, and for the next two hours, we have some of the best Sega GameCube tunes that Sega possibly has to offer. Um, why GameCube? And I already explained this, but some of you might not have been listening. Um, on September 14th, it is the GameCube's 16th anniversary in Japan. Now, I realise it probably would have been better to do this episode next week, but the reason I chose this week is because this week, uh, or in fact tomorrow, is the 9th of September. And um, for those of you who aren't aware, perhaps you live in the UK, perhaps you live in Japan, perhaps you live somewhere else. But the 9th of September is now an infamous date thanks to 9999, which was the release date of the Dreamcast in North America. And obviously, that's the release date people go by. They don't tend to go by the Japanese or the European release date, so everyone's doing their Dreamcast celebrations sort of tomorrow. So that includes Sega Mix to drive up next. So I thought, why not have a cool little contrast and have GameCube episode on the week everyone's doing a Dreamcast episode. And it also means... I get to I get to talk about one I get to talk about my favourite console and then up next Rexy gets to talk about my other favourite console. It's a win-win situation for myself. I don't see how it could go wrong. But anyway, we're gonna go ahead and open up the chat room, radiosc.gf/discord, where you guys can obviously be getting, or you guys can obviously be talking about the GameCube, or about Sega, about anything. But obviously, we want you to try and keep the topic where possible. Uh, Jamie's already started off on a good note because he says the GameCube is one of the best consoles around and I definitely agree. Um, I actually forgot to bring my phone up here because normally I would take a picture of my desk because I normally have like the console I'm talking about on my desk if I'm doing a console episode and I actually have two of my GameCubes on my desk right now um, because why not <laughs> I guess. I mean one's black one's indigo and I wanted to get a uh, platinum one but I have not bought the platinum platinum one yet because money that's why but they are it's a very good console as I said it is my favorite console the games are there the designs there the controllers there just everything seemed to go really well it doesn't have as much character as the Dreamcast did but the like the game selection from both Sega and Nintendo and third parties I think more than makes up for sort of that lack of character it sort of has. And obviously we're going to be go- making our way through these games. We'll be making our way through these games and their soundtracks for the next two hours. I say, so you want to get the Panasonic one? I would love to get my hands on the Panasonic Q. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it was a re-release of the GameCube made by Panasonic, which had um, like chrome design, and its main feature is it can play a DVD player, and it had a little... I don't know what the actual term is, probably someone who's a bit more technical who might be listening in might know this, but um, it's one of those LCD, it's not LCD, I believe it's probably an LED display, I think that's the right term, it's an LED display that displays the title of the disc you're playing and all that sort of stuff, very cool indeed, very cool console variant I would love to get, I'd also love to get a uh, Spice Orange GameCube, Japan exclusive would be very awesome to pick one of those up. I just love this console, unlike the Dreamcast where all the variants are sort of very expensive. Outside of the Panasonic Q, there's really... Actually, that's a lie. Outside of the Panasonic Q and the um, Pearl White, Pearl White's what it's called, there really aren't that many expensive variants of the GameCube, which is why I think it's a perfect console to get into. I've never paid more than about technically £15 because I bought my Indigo one for £20 but came with a controller so I sort of discounted price in that sense um, let's just see what you guys have been saying and then we're going to get into some more music 
Ancient Light, also previously known as Lost Impact, says, Love the GameCube. Great console, great games. Uh, the design is very edgy. Sorry, that is true. Obviously, a cube is going to have a lot of edges. Uh, Ancient Light also says, You heard what I do for uh, you heard of the What I Do for a GameCube competition? Yes, I have. For those of you who don't know who the What I Do for a GameCube competition is, it's where you basically just do anything in a competition. You know, anything absolutely insane to show off what you'd love to do for your GameCube. Uh, the sound cut off? Interesting, interesting. I don't recall hearing the sound cut off. Um, yeah, there doesn't seem to have been a blip on my end if anybody else could let me know about that. But yeah, basically you just do the most insane things as possible to earn yourself a Nintendo GameCube. I believe they also earned it at Game Boy Advance and a lot of games because there were some absolutely insane entries into that contest. Obviously this was years ago now, you know, health and safety and all that. But um, I think we're going to get on with some more tracks, and we're going to start off with another, another Sonic track, because obviously a lot of Sega stuff on this console was Sonic games, because, you know, it's a more child-friendly console, shall we say. And so obviously they're oriented for more child-friendly games compared to the Xbox and PS2. So that meant a lot of Sonic games, and more specifically a lot of Sonic Team games. So we're going to be hearing a lot of those tonight, but I'm going to start off with the first multi-platform Sonic game, Sonic Heroes, and from Sonic Heroes, this is Stage 5, Casino Park, right here on the Topical Resort.
only on Radio Sega. Ready? Request Resort. Send your request relating to the topic of the episode in a tweet to at Radio Sega or the Green Viper 8. Or send it in a Discord DM to Green Viper 8 through our Discord server at radiose.ga forward slash Discord. Hasty History. And welcome back to the Topical Resort right here on Radio Sega. What you just heard there was from... Super Monkey Ball 2, that was World 7, Bubbly Washing Machine. And before that, from Sonic Heroes, that was Stage 5, Casino Park. Two absolutely excellent tracks there, and as I said, they fit into the more child-friendly category, which Sega went with for the GameCube. Nintendo themselves also... Uh, or the Nintendo themselves didn't really like the child-friendly name the GameCube earned for itself. Um, I'll... I'll talk about this before Hasty History because I actually forgot to write this in, that I think this will be a very sort of fitting thing. Um, Nintendo didn't really like the child-friendly nature that the GameCube had earned because that was the entire reason the black variant existed, because the black variant was to show, hey, this can be a bit more mature than a purple lunchbox. And um, another thing they did to really show off how mature the GameCube could be was they... sorry, someone's throwing me off was they struck an exclusive deal with Capcom to make the Resident Evil franchise exclusive to the GameCube, meaning they would remake all past Resident Evil games onto the GameCube, 
and new ones would be made on the GameCube, you know, obviously showing that they can be a bit more mature, you know, they don't have to uh, be the child-friendly Nintendo they were once known for. But anyway, um, I'm going to check what you guys have been saying in the chat room, and then it'll be time to go into the hasty history. Um, Jamie says, was Super Monkey Ball 2 a multi-platform title? Mm, technically, no. It was on the Xbox and PS2, but that was through the collection Super Monkey Ball Deluxe, which um, started off as Super Monkey Ball 3 for Xbox and PS2. However, um, because that game fell through, instead Super Monkey Ball 2 or Super Monkey Ball 1 and 2 were ported, and the beta level or the levels which they made for Super Monkey Ball 3 so far were included as bonus levels in Super Monkey Ball Deluxe. So it's basically a remake of the first two games with a few extra levels. It's how uh, Super Monkey Ball Deluxe is. So it's not technically uh, multi-platform, but it was, you know, ported. Ancient Light says Shadow the Hedgehog was such a child-friendly game. You shoot a gun, but that's really about the extent of the violence in the game. Compared to something like House of the Dead or, you know, Gun Valkyrie. It's definitely more child-friendly than some of the games that they put out on the Xbox or PS2, which is sort of my point. It's not, you know, an awfully sort of <laughs> violent, ultra-realistic game. Um, what else we got? I'm currently just trying to um, do Jamie's request, so apologies for, you know, um, struggling a bit here. Um... Aya says, I want Super Monkey Ball Online, in reference to probably the Yakuza Online, I'd imagine. I'd like Super Monkey Ball Online, but I'm not sure how it would work. The reason I say that is because... Would it be like a massive multiplayer online game, meaning like there's tons of players in the room at once and you're trying to solve a puzzle and you can like, you know, get in each other's way? Or something like that. Or would it just... I don't know how exactly it would work, unless you mean, like, the party game stuff would be online, in which case that would be fun, but I don't know if I could think of, like, a realistic way to sort of make Super Monkey Ball, like, suitable for an online game. Uh, Ancient Light says, can I still send in another request? Yes, you can. You can still send in another request, as long as I have time for it, but um, I'm just currently getting to Jamie's request right now, but I should probably get on with Hasty History because I have quite a lot of stuff to talk about. So obviously we're going to be talking about the GameCube itself and the history and some cool little facts surrounding the console. So the GameCube, it was released on September 14th, 2001 in Japan, and it was the first Nintendo console to use discs because obviously the N64 uh, lost a lot of respect from Nintendo's third-party developers because they didn't like cartridges. For example, Final Fantasy VII, which ended up shifting over to the PS1. Final Fantasy VII would have took 30, 30 N64 cartridges, which are incredibly expensive to manufacture. I believe it was something like about £30 per cart. Whereas it only needed three PlayStation 1 discs, which cost less than a pound. So it's quite obvious which one they're going to go for in that case. Uh, the console didn't, however, well, it was the first console to use discs, but however, it didn't use normal discs, it used miniature discs, which are smaller in both physical size and storage size in comparison to Xbox and PlayStation 2, meaning ports of games sometimes had to have multiple discs or had to be cut down in comparison to their, you know, other 6th gen counterparts. 
the console launch itself was viewed as uh, viewed. <laughs> it was viewed as strange at the time, as it was the first Nintendo con- or the first time a Nintendo console in a very long time had launched with no major Mario game. Obviously, the console launched with Luigi's Mansion, but no mainline Mario game, Super Mario Sunshine, wouldn't come till 2002. Um, an accessory was released to be able to play Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. This was released in 2003, and the add-on was viewed as quite important, and even some people said revolutionary at the time, because it sort of revolutionised the way we played handheld games. You know, no longer were you tied down to the small little console which had a dim sort of screen. You know, you could play on your big screen with a controller. And I think, honestly, I feel like more consoles should do this. Like. How awesome would it have been if the Wii U had an adapter to play 3DS games? I don't, I don't think it would have killed sales because you could, you could still charge a decent chunk of money for the adapter. So therefore, you know, if someone doesn't want to play, doesn't want to pay 200, oh, sorry, if someone doesn't want to play like 170 pounds for a 3DS, then they can pay 120 for an adapter for their Wii U, and you know, you're not losing that much money off it, and it's probably incredibly cheap to manufacture as well. Uh, at the time, the console received positive reception, and still does to this day. Um, however, the GameCube sold 21.74 million units, which meant it underperformed. It didn't sell as well as it could, I believe. It was a loss, or it was considered a loss and a financial failure for Nintendo. Uh, the console was finally discontinued in 2007, one year after the Wii release, meaning it lasted for six years. Uh, the original models of the Wii actually shipped with full backwards compatibility with the GameCube, including memory card and controller support. But there was no support for the Game Boy Player due to the lack of a high-speed connection port, and obviously the different design of the Wii would have made it incompatible. However, later revisions of the Wii dropped the co- controller, memory card ports, and lost the ability to play GameCube games, effectively removing all backwards compatibility with the console. Uh, let's see what else we got in the chat room. Um, in reference to the Super Monkey Ball Online thing, I.I. says Monkey Target Online and Racing, and yeah, the party games. I think that would be... I think that would work, honestly. I think I can see, like, the party game modes working as an online game. I don't know if I can see the main game working particularly well as online stuff. Um, Jamie says, 8cm mini-DVDs were the GameCube's obstacle discs. Thank you, I couldn't think of the exact size of them off the top of my head. IS says, hey, it had Super Monkey Ball at launch. That's true, but it's not a Mario game, and if you're a Nintendo fan, that's sort of a major thing, but, you know. Because there was no Mario game, people bought Luigi's Mansion, but they also went, hmm, what's this Super Monkey Ball game? Yes, and then they get Sega fans in. It's sort of like, um, the 3DS. The 3DS launched with no, um... Launched no Mario game, so instead <laughs> it launched a Super Monkey Ball 3D. So you got all these uh, Sega fans, oh, so got all these Nintendo fans, like, hmm, what game do I buy with my 3DS? Oh, Super Monkey Ball 3D, and it's a pretty good game to boot. On top of that, Jamie says the Wii was going to be an add-on for the GameCube. That's true. Uh, there was also planned 3D glasses and just in general planned 3D display for the GameCube, which you know would have been incredibly cool, but it would have been. They estimated it would be like $600 or something, which is like six times more than the console cost. It's absolutely insane, you know, you can't sell that sort of thing. But um, up next is the Request Resort, now that we're done with that. And 
The request resort is where you can request music from soundtracks, which relates to the topic of the episode. There's a full list on RadioSega.net, there's a full list on Facebook, and in a second there'll be a full list of all the games you can request from Twitter. From that game list, you know, just select one track from that game that you personally really enjoy. And I'll be sure to slot it in on the show, unless, of course, multiple requests and we're very tied up. In which case, only one request. But, um, this request block is very heavily dominated at the moment by, um, Sonic tracks. So, luckily, Jamie is here to at least break up this Sonic-related block. And, um, I need to actually... Uh, keyboard sounds intensify indeed, but I actually need to quickly uh, download Jamie's video because the one he sent me I don't think was high quality or enough. That I don't think the quality was high enough for the standards I was going for. Uh, were you quick enough? Yeah, you were plenty quick enough. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. I, I do you have any particular track you would like from said game? Uh, a non-Sega song? I'm not doing non-Sega songs today, I only do them on off-topic episodes. Um, however, um, I'm just trying to find the right track for Io because I don't know any tracks from that game especially well. Uh... Hmm. <coughs> ah, good. Um... Need to take a drink out of that. Uh, that wasn't very pleasant. I think I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna request this track, and then we'll get back to doing Jamie's. I think I saved it. Okay, I didn't. Um. You know what I need to do? Ugh. Yeah, all I need to do then is just tag it correctly. Um, okay. Apologies about this, uh, that wasn't very pleasant a second ago. Um, I'm also still drinking water, or attempting to drink water while I do this. Jamie actually went ahead and requested something which wasn't on the list. And, uh, oh, I guess I should show that. There are some tracks on the Topical Resort, I do leave some games off the list. That's because sometimes I don't have the soundtrack to them. That's mainly the reason I don't have the soundtrack to them. So there's no point of putting them on the, on the list if I can't actually play them. So that's why I didn't put uh, the game Jamie has requested on the list. However, he actually sent me the soundtrack, so... I will be playing that for him after all, so we're just going to whack this on in here, and then we're going to import it, and then... Do that. Yep. There. And we'll import the track. Having to add a lot of new stuff to my folder today. There we go. Good. Uh, that in mind, I can. I, yeah, okay, I dragged eyes on. Uh, we'll put that there. 
Yeah, okay, I think that should be good. So, um... Um, sorry, I was just checking. <laughs> okay, I think we should be good now, so apologies for the stuttering. That was just while I actually just sorted that out. So, we're going to start off with a request by Electric Boogaloo, a very fine track at that. So, uh, this is menu music. Uh, these two games in particular, Sonic Mega Collection and Sonic Gems Collection, have some absolutely fantastic menu themes. They're just top-notch, standout, very relaxed tracks. And this one has to be one of my favourites. So, we can start off with a request by Electric Boogaloo from Sonic Mega Collection. This is the options and extras menu. Request results.
never seen a mic hog spit like a menace. Wild cannon, fun, I gotta chase a bat, huh? Yeah, woo, she sexy and smooth. A double cross by thief, that's out for my juice, huh? I feel it hurt in mysterious ways. That's why I stay on point like every single day. I gotta protect this place, I do it for my race, huh?
That cut suddenly, I thought there was a lot more of the track left. Welcome back to the Topical Resort right here on Radio Sega. What you just heard there was from the Request Resort block, and there are quite a lot of requests from quite a few sources there. So, uh, what you just heard was from Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2. That was World With Me. Uh, if the title would fully load... Uh, come on, come on Radio DJ. Work. World With Me, Fantasy Star Online, Episode 2 Ending Theme. I hope that was the correct version, because you didn't specify the version, but that was requested by... At lots at Nintendo on Twitter. Yes, a Twitter request for once. That was quite surprising. But uh, thank you so much for that request. Love that track. Very chillax track. But before that was anything but chillax from Sonic Adventure 2. That's Kick the Rock, as requested by myself. I do love a bit of jazz in my Sonic music, and... It's a Knuckles rap mixed with jazz. It is awesome. Love it. And it's also pitch black. I should turn the light on. But before that, from Skies of Arcadia, that was the main theme. Uh, I, I Requested by IA1980. He only asked for... Um, he didn't ask for any specific track, just something from Skies of Arcadia. And I picked that one, and then he said... I picked main theme, and then he said, oh yeah, pick the main theme. After I already did. So that was that. And before that, there was a bit of a mix-up. From Shadow the Hedgehog, that was Boss Black Doom, except um, it wasn't actually meant to be Black Doom, because if I go back to Ancient Light's messages, uh, it was supposed to be Black Comet, not Black Doom, so I do apologise, but um, yeah, we played Black Doom instead as requested by Ancient Light. And before that, from Jamie 6432, as requested by Jamie 64326, from Samurai Jack, The Shadow of Aku, a game which wasn't on the request resort list, but was in fact published by Sega. That was Aku's Fortress. It was a pretty nice track. And before that, as or the first track of the block, as requested by Electric Boogaloo from Sonic Mega Collection. That was the options and extras menu. Although I've also heard it's the history menu, apparently. Um, aside from that, we got a um, we got a few. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just reading the chat. We got a few messages in the chat. FIFA South Africa, or FIFA, and then I says stop swearing and stop using the F word, because FIFA is a naughty word in this chat room. Uh, according to II, if you say FIFA three times, the devil will come, and then post a picture of uh, Peter Moore, obviously. The much-loved head of Sega during the Dreamcast era. I'm joking, he is the devil himself, and he now works for Liverpool. He has left the games industry. Thank goodness. Uh, and then Double X Cross comes in with Cov FIFA. Yes, Cov FIFA is my favourite presidential tweet. And uh, now we're going to get onto the rambly bit of the show, where I just ramble about video games. Except um, we actually had a response, because I posted on Twitter, I'll read you the exact tweet. The GameCube library featured a lot of Sonic Team titles. Got one that stands out as your favourite? Let us know. And once again, from Lots of Nintendo on Twitter, they responded with, Fancy Start Online Episode 1 and 2, A Wonderful Journey. I can't say I played them online because I didn't have a broadband adapter and I wasn't really around at the time, but, you know. Um, I hear amazing stuff about Fancy Star Online, both episodes, but if I had to, um, pick a place to play it, uh, pick a place to play it, It'd be the Dreamcast, because, you know, it's a Dreamcast game at heart, and you got the added advantages of um, keyboard and mouse support, dial-up modem, you had a microphone, all that sort of stuff, um, but the only thing you didn't have was Fantasy Star Online Episode 1 and 2 on the GameCube had uh, unlockable mini-games that you could actually send over to the GBA with 
the only two I can think of off the top of my head would be Puyo Pop, Puyo Puyo, we should call it because that's the better name, and the second one was Knights, and the Knights minigame is really fun. I had a lot of fun with that in an emulator. Uh, Ancient Lights, as I think you already know, obviously referencing Shadow of the Hedgehog, because we've got to have our obligatory mention of Shadow of the Hedgehog within this 10 minute span. And I'm going to check uh, Twitter again. Okay, nothing. But, um, yes, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be reading through the request resort list, and uh, I'll be giving my opinions on the game, whether I think you should play them, whether I think you shouldn't play them, what I think of the soundtracks, you know, just a general overview of my opinions on these games. First up, 18-wheeler American Pro Trucker. It's been on absolutely tons of request resort lists. It's been on uh, PS2, I believe it was on the Dreamcast. It was on quite a few lists, I remember correctly. But um, haven't really played it, although it doesn't seem awful. It seems pretty okay. Um, I can't say it's really my cup of tea, though, and I have no clue about the soundtrack. I haven't really heard it. Yeah, can't say it's my cup of tea, but I mean, I guess if you find it cheap enough. You know, give it a go. It might not be to everyone's standard. Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. This is one of Sonic Team's uh, games. I believe this was released in 2003. Um, this game is pretty good, actually. I've, I haven't played it to the completion, but I played a good chunk of it. It's a very fun platformer, but um, it's for the audience that thinks Sonic the Hedgehog is too edgy. So, you know, its target audience is quite young children. But I think it is quite a fun platformer, and I'd recommend you check it out. And the soundtrack's also very fun, uh, which is also a bonus. You know, perhaps get requesting that on Radio Sega if you don't own the game. Seems like a good idea. Up next, um, the complete opposite of a um, you know child-friendly game is Crazy Taxi. Obviously known for its not violent, but you know its rather harsh soundtrack and its uh, crazy gameplay. Hey, hey, hey! But um. Crazy Taxi has been on quite a few lists itself for the Request Resort. It was on the mobile games list, it was on the PS2 list, it was... Let me look at the list of episodes so I can actually see what lists it was on. It was on the 2010 list, it was... Um, hmm. It was on the PSP list, it would have been on... I think that was it. I think that's all the list it's been on. But anyway, that was quite a lot of places it actually appeared in. But Crazy Taxi, I've always said this every time it's appeared in the Quest Resort list. A very fun arcade-style game, you know. Fun in short bursts, not fun in a marathon. Um, very quick, very easy. Fun, fun to play, hard to master. All that sort of stuff, I'd recommend you check it out since it's on so many platforms. Yeah, that game definitely gets a pass, and so does the soundtrack. Um, up next, F-Zero GX. Um, it says something when Sega can make a better Nintendo game than Nintendo. Because for those of you who don't know, F-Zero is one of uh, Nintendo's biggest franchises. But instead of, you know, making it themselves or handing it off to one of their studios, F-Zero GX was outsourced to... Uh, Amusement Vision to, uh, you know, rest in peace and all that because they're now no longer with us, Amusement Vision. But yes, it was outsourced to Amusement Visions and people consider this by far to be the best F-Zero game. And it wasn't even made by Nintendo, it was made by their rivals, so that says something. It also had an arcade counterpart which had like extra stuff in it which was called F-Zero GX, also AX, which was also uh, made by Amusement Visions. 
but yeah, a uh, very fun game. Uh, a lot of people seem to love the soundtrack. Very difficult though, you know, you, it's not for the faint of heart at all. You will throw your controller at the wall a lot. I'm going to bundle all of these into one, the Fantasy Star Online games. I personally have not played these games, you know, not really my cup of tea once again. But there are a lot of people whose cup of tea this is. Um, it's an MMORPG. Um, I don't know a lot about MMORPGs outside of, you know, the classic MMORPG addicts theme. Because who doesn't love that song? Probably a lot of people who don't like Miku, let's be fair. But, um, yeah, if you're into MMORPGs, I think this is a lot better than the stuff you have to deal with nowadays. So, find a custom server, all that stuff, and jump right into this. Because I'm sure you'll have an absolutely fantastic time with the Fantasy Star Online series. Pure Pop Fever. Uh, this is what this is one that's appeared in quite a lot of lists as well. Um, I think this game's okay. It's not one of the strongest Puyo Puyo titles. It's not one of the worst Puyo Puyo titles. It's just average. You know, a good game will stand out forever for all the uh, advancements it made to the game industry. A bad game will stand out forever because everyone wants to point and laugh at it and show everything it did wrong. An average game. Just fades into obscurity, you know. No one remembers anything good it did, no one remembers anything bad it did, therefore it just sort of fades away. And I think that's exactly what happened with Puyo Pop Fever. It just has not really anything going for it as such. Uh, Sega Soccer Slam. Not one I've played either, but I included this, because this wasn't originally on the list, but I included it because at the request of Electric Boogaloo, who uh, I actually didn't get time to play his second request. But very... Um, it's a soccer game, but I imagine, you know, it's got Sega flair to it, all that sort of stuff, so probably worth checking out. I imagine it's dirt cheap, because that's what sports games are like. I'm just not going to talk for the next bit, because uh, it's the game you all knew was coming. Three words. Three horrible words that you've come to hate if you are a member of the Radio Sega Discord. Hedgehog Shadow The. Um... Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, I'm gonna get some. I'm obviously gonna get some very stern messages about this one because for not saying it's the best game of all time or something. But Shadow the Hedgehog, fairly mediocre. It's not you know mediocre like Puyo Pop Fever mediocre, but you know it doesn't. <laughs> it's not a revolutionary game by any means. But it's certainly not you know a steaming pile of garbage by any means. It just is sort of a thing. I think it's better than Sonic Heroes, but I don't think it's as good as, you know, the adventure games or anything in terms of quality. Obviously, personal opinion is completely subjective. But, uh, I'd recommend you check this one out, because I think there is some fun to have here, even if you enjoyed the game or not. And the soundtrack, as, uh, as Ancient Light will tell you, the soundtrack for the game is very good. I enjoy the soundtrack myself, although it's it doesn't stand out like the adventure games does. Like it doesn't have those sort of catchy like melodies that the adventure games do, but it is still very good music. Skies of Arcadia, not a game I played myself. I'm not a big RPG fan in general, but from everyone I hear from, I hear this is absolutely one of the best games on the Dreamcast. You cannot go wrong with it, uh, or the Dreamcast version, because I don't really hear too much about the GameCube version. I just no one seems to talk about it. I don't know whether 
oh, according to II, one of the best things about the Dreamcast version was the VMU minigame, which is obviously not in this version, because the, the GameCube just takes normal, boring PS2 standard memory cards. Boo. Whereas the Dreamcast obviously had the VMUs, you know, the visual memory units, which had a screen on them, which still isn't done today. A screen on the controller. The last console to do that was the Wii U gamepad. But yeah, screen on the controller that you can look at while you're playing the game. Such a revolutionary idea, which is what Sega were all about in the 90s. And, you know, Nintendo didn't have that. So, uh, I feel like it's probably just... Oh, from what I hear, this Cars of Arcadia on the GameCube is the... Um, is the Dreamcast version just with extra stuff added, but... Sega purists are obviously going to play it on the Dreamcast. Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. I don't like this one as much as the Dreamcast version. In general, I don't like this as much as the game we're about to talk about, but my opinion on Sonic Adventure 2 changes a lot. When I was younger, when I first played it for the first time on the GameCube, because it was actually my first GameCube game, um, it was very sort of... I didn't know how to think of it when I first played it. I didn't especially like it. Then I got the Xbox 360 remake, like the day it came out, and absolutely just fell in love with the game. The second time was it, well, second time's the charm and all that. But um, fell in love with the game. Then you know it was like my favourite game for quite a while. Then I sort of fell out of love with Sonic Adventure 2 again, and up until very recently, where like very recently I started once again considering it a good game, but I don't think it's as good as Sonic Adventure DX Director's Cut for the Nintendo GameCube. Favourite game of all time, right there, and I just accidentally threw um, my pen. <laughs> yeah, but my favourite game of all time, I love Sonic Adventure DX, I love the story, I just love the hub worlds and you know, the feeling of adventure, I love the level design, I love the characters, I love the music, everything about this game I love. I think, honestly, uh, this always gets me some backlash, I honestly like the GameCube version more than the Dreamcast version. Specifically the GameCube version, I don't like any of the re- or any of the ports of the GameCube version. You know, because the game was ported- the GameCube version was ported to PC, to Xbox 360, to PS3, and then back to PC again. And every time they just butchered it even harder, and just made it worse. But the GameCube version, I just think, is the Dreamcast version, with a few different textures, and added stuff like Game Gear mini-games and a mission mode. Which, so I'd recommend the GameCube version, I wouldn't recommend any other version of Sonic Adventure DX, but I would obviously recommend the original Dreamcast version, because that's the one that everyone seems to love the most, and I would agree that is a very good version. Sonic Gems Collection, um... This was a collection of Sonic games that were considered gems, in that they were hidden, no one really knew about them, but they were also quite hard to find. So it had Sonic CD, which was at the time only on Mega CD, Sonic R, which were, at the time was only on Sega Saturn and PC. Oh, sorry, uh, Sonic CD was on PC as well. And uh, it contained Sonic the Fighters, which was only on arcades at the time. So, you know, three games which were very difficult to get a hold of beforehand. Um, it's a pretty good collection. It has some nice music, but aside from that, it's just a collection. Same as Sonic Mega Collection, although Mega Collection... It was okay, but um, Mega Collection Plus was a lot better because it added a bunch of new stuff, so I'd recommend that version, which wasn't on the GameCube. Sonic Heroes, it's an okay game. I don't like it as much as Shadow the Hedgehog. The team mechanic was cool, but it needed a lot of improvement. The level design was a bit sloppy in some areas, so 
so is the general presentation of the game. Overall, give it a meh. And, um... Sonic Riders. I like this game, but not everyone likes this game. It is a very sort of subjective game. Uh, you're not going to love it on your first go. Like Knights or those other sort of arcade games, it's one of those games that grows on you the better you get at it. So I'd recommend it, you know, if you can find it cheap. The Xbox and PS2 versions are especially cheap. The GameCube version, not so much. Super Monkey Ball 1 and 2, I'm going to bundle these into one. Very fun platformers. They also make for very good party games. Amazing soundtrack, amazing gameplay. Some of the best, by far, easily in my top five Sega GameCube games. And Virtual Quest. Um, I hear a lot about this game from my friend uh, X-Zero. This is his favourite game of all time, Virtual Quest. And I've never played it. It's an RPG surrounding around the Virtua series. And, you know, he keeps badgering me to play it, but I just never get round to it. But I really should, because I, everyone I've heard about... Everyone I've heard talk about this game, which is, by the way, very few people, have said excellent things about it. And I listened to some of the music, and the music was pretty good. But, um, yeah, I should look more into that. But overall, I'd probably give that a recommendation, just for the absolute bizarre sort of thing of Virtua Fighter. The Virtua series in general had an RPG. JB says the F-Zero arcade game had GameCube memory card slots so you could transfer data from the arcade game to the console, such as new races. Um, uh, I'm looking through the chat room right now. Um, Jamie says, shame they didn't put Knuckles Chaotix on Gems Collection in the end. I'd agree, because also, Sega Sonic the Hedgehog, the 1992 arcade game, which marks the first appearance of Mighty the Armadillo, and the only appearance of Ray the, Squir the Flying Squirrel, um, it's only on arcades, but they were having issues with emulating the trackball, which people have said is a lie, they probably just couldn't be bothered to do it properly, because people have got it working properly on like Xbox 360 controllers, using uh, emulators. But aside from that, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's meant to be on Gems Collection that never went on to Gems Collection. I imagine it was sort of a, what games can we port the quickest? And that's the games that went on to Gems Collection. Anyway, I'm going to let you get on with some more music because my throat is hurting and it is also, you know, time because we've been talking for plenty long enough. So we're going to go with another track from Fancy Star Online. So from Fancy Star Online, this is the crazy program right here on the Topical Resort.
Topical Thesis. Welcome back once again to the Topical Resort. What you just heard there was from Sonic Adventure. That was Open Your Heart, the main theme of the game. And before that, from Fancy Star Online, that was The Crazy Program. And now is the, inev- the inevitable time. You knew it was coming up. You knew it was happening. It is time for the one and only, not Topical Resort, Topical Thesis. No, it is instead time for... Drum please. It's time for... Intense keyboard sounds because I forgot to write the tweet once again because I was too busy writing another one. So, um, copy and paste that. That's not how you do a hashtag viper. Resort. Uh, we'll schedule this for about five minutes from now, so no, we'll do it about then. Okay, sure. Um, seems good. So uh, I asked you guys on Twitter: um, the inevitable war between Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 has reared its head again. Which one is your favourite? And um, I'm rather disappointed. Sonic Adventure 1 is losing 40% to 60%. Disgusting. You people must go over there to the Twitter and fix this immediately because I cannot take this. It's disgusting. But now it's time for the real topical thesis. So, today's topical thesis. Should Nintendo make their hardware more powerful? So, for those of you who don't know what my topical thesis is, it's where I take an opinion that I've heard or I've heard someone else say from the Sega community or just relating to the topic of the episode and I give my opinion on it by giving 3.4, 3 points against and then come to a justified conclusion based on whether I disagree or agree with the statement. So as I said, should Nintendo make their hardware more powerful? Here's my 3 points for. It would allow Nintendo to be competitive again. Because, you know, Nintendo makes some good hardware and people love their hardware, you know, they have their hardcore fan base and all. But their sales have been nowhere near, with the exception of the Wii and the DS, their sales have been nowhere near the competition. Or actually, ex- exclude handhelds, because they're always number one in handhelds. But, you know, they've never been anywhere near PlayStation and Xbox for years, minus the Wii, because that was just lucky, because everyone bought the Wii. But, yeah, they haven't really been competitive since the Super Nintendo days, minus the Wii. Because that was the last time really a console of theirs, you know, went head-to-head with the competition and still sold really well. Aside from that, you've also got it would improve relations with third-party developers. You know, third-party developers weren't best pleased after the uh, whole N64 situation. Then the GameCube only served to make things worse because, you know, the small disc size and everything. And that's basically where it stands. And the Wii U, no one wanted to support it because... Oh, no one wanted to support the Wii because they had the shoe on in motion controls. No one wanted to support Wii U because the console didn't sell well. So you just... They're stuck in this dead-end situation where no developers really want to work with them. So, you know... uh, By making the hardware more powerful, it means third-party developers will want to work with them once again because it would actually be up to scratch with the competition so they wouldn't have to downport their games. And it could bring in new customers who were previously on more powerful hardware just because of the power alone. You know, um, 
Xbox One, PC Master Race, PS4, all that sort of stuff. You know, people are there just because, you know, the graphics are good. The graphics are nice. But if Nintendo obviously made their hardware more powerful, they could bring in those people and they could also bring them good games to boot because, you know, those people don't tend to play the best games. So yeah, it brings in just more of an audience, makes them more competitive and, you know, it would improve their relations with the people who actually make the money. However, my three points against, it allows them to go in their own unique direction by, you know, making their hardware whatever they like. You know, Nintendo have always been that sort of quirky company, you know, they stand out from the crowd and all that sort of stuff. You know, they don't conform to what other companies do, so why should they make their hardware more powerful just for the sake of, you know, staying in line and not standing out? That goes against everything Nintendo's about. Uh, It could be argued that the best games take advantage of what they have in specs, rather than demanding more. You know, some of the best games of all time have been made on the most limited hardware, you know, not the... Not the most powerful hardware. You know, they work with their limitations and create an excellent game rather than having massive specs that they're never going to use and never going to live up to. You know, it's through limitations that we can truly create something great. You know, the only person you're limiting is yourself and all that. And finally, uh, it would up the production cost. It would up the production costs and therefore would drive up the price of the consoles that are mainly aimed at children and families. You know, um, case in point, the last truly powerful Nintendo piece of hardware was the GameCube, which was more powerful than PS2 and about as powerful as the Xbox. And they sold the GameCube at $100. I don't know how much they sold it in pounds, but they put probably a lot of money into making the hardware of the GameCube, so I'd imagine they sold it at a loss and then made all their money back from the games. And that's not... They did that because, obviously, you know, kids are going to buy the GameCube. That's who the GameCube was, you know, appealed to. Not marketed that, but appealed to. And they had to sell it cheap in order to actually get that target audience. But because of that, you know, they had to sell it at a loss. And that's my worry. Future consoles, you know, something after the Switch. If they wanted to make that powerful, they'd have to sell it at a loss. And then they have to rely on their ever-dwindling game sales, which is a slight issue. So, in conclusion, Nintendo are trendsetters. They're not afraid to stand out from the crowd. They also know that standing out from the crowd too much can be a bad decision. Although Nintendo sold although Nintendo sold pow, powerful hardware, the GameCube, it was sold cheap to stay competitive and ultimately didn't make the mark anyway and being sold to Lost. So I would therefore argue that Nintendo shouldn't make more powerful hardware as their hardcore fans are fine with the specs and it allows Nintendo to keep down costs without harming themselves. What's your opinion? I would like to know. There are many places you can get your opinion in. You can get in your opinion on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Radio Sega. Oh, sorry, at Radio Sega, at the Green Vibrator, at Topical Resort, all the places you can get in your tweets. You can also send us a message on Discord, radiosega.gf forward slash Discord. I'm Green Vibrator there. Send us a message on Facebook, at Radio Sega. You can send us an email, topicalresort at gmail.com. Or you can send me a private message on the Radio Sega forums. I'm Green Vibrate over there. And so now we're going to read out your guys' opinions on social media. Um, we had a response to um, our poll on Twitter um, from G Willy Music. This is, we're just thinking about this yesterday. Personally, I'm more of an SA2 type of guy. And I've just, uh, I've just offended you. I apologize because, you know, SA1 guy here, I'm sorry. 
But you know, obviously people are entitled to their opinions. Who am I to tell you that, you know, you're wrong. You're wrong. But let's see what we've got on uh, the Discord feed. Um, uh, Ancient Light says Nintendo need to give up on motion controls already and make a decent controller. They did make a decent controller. The Wii U Pro Controller and the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller are incredibly nice controllers. It's just such a shame that um, most games don't use them. Well, the Switch is better for that because most games on the Switch do actually allow you to use the Pro Controller. But the Pro Controller support on the uh, Wii U was quite lacking. You know, there were plenty of games that could have used the Pro Controller. <coughs> Sega games! I'm looking at you, Sonic Lost World and Sonic Boom Rise of Lyric. In fact, they use them in the multiplayer, but you can't use them in the main game, which is very confusing. Yes, uh, aside from that, um, I would agree they need to give up on motion controls. Um, what else we got? Trends. ISS trendsetters um, like staying with cartridges. They're trendsetters, like, you know, they were the first ones to popularise motion controls. They were the first ones to sort of popularise... Um, <laughs> I can't think of anything. But, you know, they always have sort of... Not trendsetters as much as they've stood out from the crowd, you know. They've been unique, they've done their own thing. Which is true, even if they haven't set trends, they definitely have done their own thing. And that's what I'd argue personally. But, um... I'm gonna get on with some more music. And then we're gonna read out some more opinions if we have any after the break. And we'll also be getting on with the Discord call-in. But for now, we're going to start off with a track from Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. This is a Jack in the Box, right here on Radio Sega.
Resort, only on Radio Sega.
missed an episode and want to catch up? Want to re-educate yourself on the topic of a previous show? Download our podcast from the Radio Sega Media section. Subscribe to us on iTunes or stream the show through Stitcher. Discord Call-In And welcome back to the Topical Resort right here on Radio Sega. We just had a lovely bit of Mitch the Yoshi there from Sonic Gems Collection. That was very of AIF, as obviously mentioned, performed by the amazing Tatsunoko. I can't speak. As performed by the amazing Mitch Yoshi. There, we'll just cut down the name to avoid me mispronouncing it. And before that, from Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, that was a Jack in the Box. And now it is time for the Discord call-in. And what is the Discord call-in? Well, it is where you can join RadioSE.cheerful/discord, and you have a chance of being on the show. Or, as everyone obviously calls it, the Jamie call-in, because Jamie is the only one who comes on the show, blah, 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 blah. Call in more people, and then Jamie won't be on the show so much. It's simple, you know. We try and vary it up quite a bit. But um, we've had a few responses on the Twitter to our poll between Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. First of all, Sonic Adventure 2 is still winning in the poll. Disgusting. There's 20, It's been 22 votes. But, um... Jamie, Jamie Williamson, you know, Jamie64326, all that stuff, has commented, Sadex all the way. To me, it felt like more of an adventure game, especially due to the adventure maps. Also, I like the more of the stages in Sonic Adventure, which I'd agree with. And from at Blitz, at Blitzchamp on Twitter, the right answer is hashtag Sonic Adventure, and then goes on to post a GIF of the Dreamcast version and Sonic obviously running away from the whale. So with that in mind, we are now going to get into a call, and I'm going to just drag this person in. Ooh. Turn your radio off. Hello. Good evening, Jamie. I'm going to probably need to adjust your audio levels because it's been a while since we've spoken. Fair enough. Okay, no, that should be good. So, um, what would you like to talk about today, Jamie? Any specific game, or just the GameCube in general? Just uh, everything in general on GameCube. Uh, GameCube and uh, Sega. Like, uh, this morning when I was looking for a request, I found another game that was published by Sega, which surprised me. And that was? You, you know that incredible, um, the incredible sequel we had on PS2 and GameCube, the uh, Rise of the Underminer? Yep. It was published by Sega in Japan. Huh. It was on the uh, list that I was using, but it didn't. Uh, I didn't actually have the soundtrack to it, which was why I didn't put it on the list. But uh, I, I hear decent stuff about that game, actually. Oh, I hear decent stuff about both the Incredibles games. You know, fairly decent licensed games. The first one, yeah, actually was. It was decent. It was challenging. I never played the sequel, but. Here in the story, that sequel's non-existent anymore. Oh yeah, because they technically retconned it, didn't they? Yeah, because there's actually going to be a movie featuring the, the Undermaner. Yeah, it's sad they had to retcon it, but um, whatever. It's that's, that's how movies work. I'd rather have a proper movie than you know a good game. Personally, it's just how I feel. Same. Anyway, but back onto the subject. So, with it being a GameCube, I can actually talk about Nintendo again on this station. Go uh, right ahead. So, let's start off with the first thing on that. You, uh, you know Animal Crossing on the uh, GameCube? 
of course I do the port of um, Animal Forest for the N64, the Japan exclusive. Yeah, that fact that the game can be dumped on the GameCube's and uh, 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 RAM and uh, just be played without the disc. Yeah, because the entire since the game is an N64 game, the entire game is so small it can all be loaded into the RAM, so you can physically just take out the disc, pop it back in the case, and the game will work perfectly fine. And uh, you know the uh, you know the music that plays on the uh, bar, uh, should we say the BIOS screen for the GameCube? Yes. It's actually a s- extremely slowed down version of the Famicom Disk System's BIOS screen. I believe it is slowed down by sixteen percent or sixteen times. Sorry, do not quote me on that, but I think that's the number. I thought it was 20, I can't remember. It is a very large number, it is very slow and you'd never notice it, but then somebody came along and sped it up and they're like, oh hey, this is the Famicom Disk, disk System uh, BIOS music as well. I love like, nice little... subtle little references like that. It's a nice little Easter egg though. It is indeed. Uh, any Sega games in particular you want to talk about, aside from just published stuff, you know, the Sonic Team stuff, any of the other stuff? Ah uh, yeah, we need to forget about Sonic Team, they're non-existent. Who is Sonic Team again? I, th- I think you mean Sega Team, because they make most of Sega's games. <laughs> so what have we got in the game too? Because those actually a bit... So let's see... Uh, like you said, Virtual Quest never played her. Puyo, Puyo Puyo Fever. Well, I think that was the first Puyo game I played with the actual name Puya because obviously there's Dr. Robotnik. Less said about Dr. Robotnik being the machine the better probably. But I didn't play it on the GameCube, I played the DS port. I, I hear a lot of people say they played the DS port because that was sort of always the cheap one, the very sort of accessible one compared to the other versions. But at that time, it was basically on everything that could basically handle a game at the time. It was on a lot of consoles, same with like Puyo Puyo 7, I believe, and uh, the 15th and 20th anniversary games. Yeah, even going to the extreme length of releasing Puyo Fever on uh, the Dreamcast. That's true, it was technically the last Sega game on the Dreamcast. Obviously, there were games after it. There were games which Sega allowed to happen after it, but it was the last game made by Sega for the Dreamcast in 2004. And I know he said no Sonic Team, but Billy Hatcher can be the exception because it showed that Sonic Team once uh, at the was it at the early peak of the uh, sixth generation that Sonic Team had a creative team still and showed that they still could make games that didn't feature a Blue Hedgehog, even though it still featured a Blue Hedgehog. It did feature a blue hedgehog, yes, because it had a lot of characters as uh, cameo appearances, because they cannot get away from the damn hedgehog. But Billy actually showed they could create something that was something charmingly cute, uh, adventure style for the kids, and something a bit challenging for the, uh, for the modern average player to play. True. Uh, anyway, I think aside from that, Jamie, I think I'm going to have to move on with the show, but any sort of final things you want to say about the GameCube, you know, like final opinions about the console? 
the GameCube to me was one of the best consoles around and the second best console of the uh, generation after the PS2. <laughs> sorry, bite my tongue. Actually, no, sorry. In certain circumstances, I prefer the GameCube over the PS2, but they're still best in second. There must be a winner and there must be a loser, which is, you know, how generations like that work. And I think the drink has been fourth. <laughs> below, <laughs> below the Xbox, that is a very bold statement, Mr. Wonderman. Hey, the Xbox brought one of my favourite third per- first and third person games. Jet Set. No. Oddworld St- Strangers Laugh. I hear good things about that game, but obviously, you know, I, I was counting Jitsu Radio because I was hoping you would talk about Sega game. So, yeah, it all depends on the games, but mainly the Dreamcast is dead last. Pretty much. But anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on, Jamie. I'm sorry, I really have to move on. But yeah, it's been a pleasure having you, and hopefully, we won't have you again soon. You know, more variety and all that, but we'll have you again whenever we next can. Yeah, we need more guests. That is true, but um, anyway, see you later, Jamie. See ya. And that was Jamie, and that's sorry, unfortunately that's the only person I have time for today. I have uh, been rambling on a lot today, so we didn't have time for more than one person. So thank you so much to everybody who uh, attempted to join the Discord call-in, because I, I and Ancient Light also attempted to join. But obviously if you had anything, you know, desperately you wanted to say either of you two you know just pop it in the chat room and I'll be sure to read it out on air you know any opinions about the console and also Electric Boogaloo has just joined us hello and welcome to Electric Boogaloo um, Electric Boogaloo says I guess the reason that Sonic Team were making a lot of non-Sonic games at the time is because the team was split in two one team was in San Francisco, San Francisco making Sonic games and the other team was in Japan just making other games. That's a good reason, because you know, obviously, you get the chance to work on two different projects at the time. Anyway, we must move on. So it's time for the Toppy Mix, and for those of you who don't know what the Toppy Mix is, it's one Sega track that doesn't relate to the topic of the episode, one, one remix that relates to the topic of the episode, and one non-Sega track that doesn't relate to the topic of the episode. And I picked a strange non-Sega track today, and you'll see why later. But, uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy it, because I think it's quite a catchy song. But we're going to start off with a track from a game that I've never played. In fact, I don't even think it's a game, I just think it's an album. But this is a track that I've been listening to quite a bit, because I don't know why, it, but it is, it's good. From uh, Sakura Taisen, Teng- Tengeki Kaio Zenshu, this is Festival Dance, right here on the Topical Resort. Let's get scratching.
Welcome back to one last time to the Topka Resort. What you just had there was a very strange pick for a non-Sega track. So, from Club Penguin, the late Penguin Force, the DS game, that was the Dojo and Puffle training area. I'm going to have to explain myself. Um, I heard this in a YouTube video, and I'm like, I love this track, where's it from? And the guy goes, it's from a Club Penguin game on the DS, and I'm like... What? <laughs> it blew me away, but I love that track and I had to play it for you there. And uh, there was some nice talk about Club Penguin in the chat, obviously. Uh, so that's what I had to explain that. That's how it came to be. I had actually played the game before, I just hadn't ever heard any of the music to it. And it is a very good soundtrack. It's not your typical sort of shovelware licensed sort of muck that typically gets shoved out by these big companies. Before that, from the Sonic Stadium Music 2012 remix album, that was Groove Tube Emerald Challenge, a remix of Sonic Heroes Special Stage theme. You know, glow sticks were out for that one, you know, we were all having a good time. And before that, the very first track from Sakura Taizen, Taigeki Kaio Zenshu, that was Festival Dance, and it's unfortunately brought us to the end of the show. And before we go, I have another comment about the great SA2 water readout first. Let's check in on those stats. Sonic Adventure is at 47%. And Sonic Adventure 2 is at 53%. But we had another comment. This one was from at SilverTom93. And they say, SA1 by far. Hubworld's awesome and very explorable. Characters didn't feel stiff. Music and levels have variety. Story is simpler. All points I would have to agree with. But um, I actually wanted to mention, because I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, the GameCube's a rather familiar and honestly a rather important console to me. Because... I made a GameCube podcast about July time last year. Now, it's never actually happened, but I did a lot of planning for this thing, and um, that planning never uh, it never actually came into anything. Uh, the podcast never amounted to anything. The podcast never happened. The planning didn't go to waste, because all of that planning was transferred over to something else. It was transferred over to the Dreamcast Hour. Yes, because... <laughs> The GameCube helped me lay the foundation work for my very first Radio Sega show, in fact, my very first Radio show in general, so I really had to thank the GameCube. But um, it's also coming up to the time of year where it is on the 20th of September, will mark one year since the beginning of the Dreamcast Hour. And now you're thinking, but, but Viper, it started in December. The initial very first episode, as well as the very first pitch, 20th of September, 2016. Therefore, it's almost been one year, but that won't be at the top of our next episode because the next episode is currently up in the air. We don't know what the next episode is going to be because I was sort of um, hoping it was going to be one thing and then I can't do that one thing. Currently, the current plan is next week we'll be taking a look at the Sega Superstar series. The current plan could change any point, but that is the current plan. Guess I should go ahead and um, sort of wrap up here. I have been your host, Green Viper 8. Thank you so much for listening. Been loving the GameCube tonight. You know, you guys have been requesting some awesome tracks. I've been listening to some awesome tracks. Loved rambling about my favourite console ever. Legend Poogaloo says, uh, Sega Saturn episode. That is currently planned for November time, so stay tuned on that. And, uh, you know, stay locked, all that sort of stuff. But, um, for now, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you with a track from Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, this is, uh, in fact, I have been your host, Green Vaporate. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to leave you with a track from Sonic Adventure 2. This is Chasing Drive, 
And as always, stay topical. Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.